0: Hey friends, Mike Myers here with the Songwriting for Guitar podcast, episode number 32, Madeline King and Nolan Jack. Now this episode definitely means a lot to me because it gets a little sentimental and into my backstory. So before I exclusively taught songwriters, created Songwriting for Guitar, and started delving into sync licensing and doing commercial songwriting, there was this period of time that I was assistant director and a guitar teacher at a local music school. And it was some of the best experiences I had in my journey. It was teaching kids that were maybe four years old and maybe adults that were 82. Various age ranges, abilities. Some people really wanted to get into the craft. Some people just wanted to do it for a hobby and others were doing it because, well, their mom said they had to do it. Now, these two students, Madeline and Nolan, I taught. I remember what seems like yesterday teaching some of their very first lessons and I've watched them blossom into fantastic songwriters, artists, musicians at levels that some adults would look at and be like, damn, why can't I do that? After I left the school, I loved following them on Instagram and seeing their journey as they started to get into producing themselves, arranging music, recording all the things that others just teeter on the edge and dream about doing. They're actually doing. So, if you're one of those people right now that needs some inspiration, regardless of your age, and you're thinking about doing the craft, you want to get into it and you want to get motivated, listen to this damn episode because just listening back to this, I'm more motivated myself and inspired by what they're doing. And my thought is, what will they do after this? The sky is the limit for those two. So, let's jump into it. Episode number 32. Madeline King, and Nolan Jack. How are you guys? (laughs) You doing well?
1: I'm doing good.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty good. You're, You're pretty good. Okay, to give context for people that are listening, this is an interview, but for me, this is also not weird, but always cool because I remember, you know when your parents probably tell you, I remember you at this particular age, no matter how old you get, Mm
1: -hmm. when
0: you teach someone it's the same thing every single person i've taught at some point i just remember them then and even if you age nolan you have a beard now you're growing (laughs) facial hair it's just like i just see you on that like first lesson because i remember nolan we did i remember it was like rock band i remember teaching I think we did like Burnout Green Day and I was telling you guys about hitches and like doing the first song and you had like getting you to switch from acoustic to electric. Uh, Madeline, I remember doing like, I remember showing you like scales on ukulele and just being like, it's a scale and me trying to be like, it's really cool because you can use it for all these things. And now it's like, you guys are older. uh, You're putting out records, you're putting out music. I guess where I want to start is what was your first like there's a point for me when i was growing up where i was like okay sports and it's like i had the option of in catholic school basketball 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 or basketball <laughs> mm-hmm. none of which was appealing because power rangers was much more appealing what was the draw to music
1: well for me i grew up being surrounded by music um my grandparents who live like 10 minutes away from me have um been playing music all their lives and so I grew up with my grandpa playing the banjo and my grandma playing the ukulele and my family singing a lot of like folk bluegrass bluesy music um and around probably eighth grade is when I decided like I'm gonna commit to this like I'm really gonna try to learn ukulele because probably for a couple of years I had known three or four chords on the ukulele but I decided like I'm gonna take lessons and I'm gonna get good at this. Um, And that year in eighth grade was kind of the year I also picked up the guitar, started messing around with it and really started focusing on singing. And that's like where I started from.
0: Nolan, what about you? What What was the pivotal moment of like music?
2: My parents are always really good about exposing me to music and that whole kind of realm of things. And I took piano lessons when I was really young, like maybe like six, seven, eight years old. Because my parents are like, you should take piano lessons, and I was fine. But there was a point in time where I was like, I was, didn't practice piano at all, and I was like, No, I'm not. I'm not into this. And then I just kind of left the whole music thing for like two years. Until my mom was like, You want to play guitar? And I'm like, Sure, why not? And then now I'm here, like doing it. And I'm not sure when, in the space of that, it clicked. Like, yes, music. It was like. Sure. And then it just kind of snowballed almost.
0: Do you feel too, like I feel like you mentioned piano because I hear that where people are like, Neh. you know, they do it. How was piano presented to you? Was it like exciting or was it just, you know, I had a teacher. Otherwise, my will to learn piano was greater than a teacher that was, I could clearly tell being like, here's my paycheck. Boom. And it was <laughs> like, this is for money. <laughs> yeah.
2: that's definitely it definitely wasn't not a it was not a this is for money thing but i would say it was more of a classical range of things like i just recently like maybe a month ago was like yeah i think i should play piano again and then i started playing piano again and enjoyed it but just not in like the classical way and i think i am more of a kind of contemporary gotta sing while i do it kind of deal with all instruments.
0: Do you see it for more composition? Like now that you're exposing a songwriting, you realize, oh, this gives me a vehicle to other things and other sounds that I may need to use.
2: Yes, definitely more of a writing thing because I obviously write a lot on guitar, so I'll catch myself writing too much on guitar and being like, well, let's try to broaden horizons a little bit and move to piano or move to ukulele.
0: Madeline, what about you? Is it like where do you find your vehicle or what do you gravitate towards most when you're like, Oh, that's what I'm going to use.
1: Um, I think for songwriting, I'll switch back and forth between the ukulele and the guitar. I definitely started with ukulele and I'm a better ukulele player than guitar player. So I find it. Well, I you need ukulele, a really good teacher have-
0: sometimes to really guide you <laughs> on that, on that, you know, that front sometimes. Um, yeah,
1: guys for context, um, Mikey taught me ukulele for a year. It was awesome. <laughs> um, But there's definitely like advantages and disadvantages to both. So I Mm -hmm. like that I can use more like interesting chords on ukulele, but I also like guitar because I feel like there's sort of a intensity and like range on guitar that I don't get on ukulele. So I think I just switch back and forth between both.
0: Now we've made that jump to songwriting, but the context in which you guys started was kind of like, okay, instrument, I'm going to play an instrument. There's, I feel like a great chasm or a great jump from playing an instrument to writing a song for people. Because I see it all the time where people think about the process. It's very intriguing. They love music, they love songwriting, but some make that jump very quickly. It's almost like I think of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Before he gets the Holy Grail, there's this like black pit of nothing and he has to take this leap of faith to cross and he thinks there's nothing there, but he does and it gets him to the other side. I feel like you guys took that early on where some people sit on that for years, decades or an entire lifetime. What was, was there a moment where was it a natural progression or was it a very conscious decision of songwriting?
1: Um, For me, it was a very conscious decision. Um, I really resisted songwriting. Um, but I had a lot of people around me like telling me you should try writing songs. And I think the moment when I was like, okay, I'm going to try to do it was when I realized that because I think I the big thing was I was scared, like I'm going to be bad at this. So I think the moment when I decided I could try was acknowledging that like if I wrote a song, I didn't have to show it to anyone. Like it could just be for me. And that gave me kind of the courage to start writing songs because then there wasn't so much pressure. It's like, I'm gonna write a song, and whatever it is, that's what it's gonna be, and I can just like practice and get better at it.
2: Oh, this is a fun story. I'm not sure if you remember this, Mikey, but my conscious decision for songwriting was you obviously instructed a band I was in, and mm-hmm. I you told us that we were going to play "I Love Rock and Roll" by Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, and I really did not want to and you were like, (laughs) fine, if you don't want to play it, just write your own song. And then you made me write my own song. And that was the first song I ever wrote.
0: That's right. That was always my thing for like, when I did, when I taught rock band, and there was always resistance to songs that I would pick, which FYI, when you do rock band, teachers usually pick songs that they really enjoy, because if we're gonna listen to a song, we tend to pick the ones that we really like. Hence why I did like a Beatles season and a Weezer season, everyone's like, I don't like it. It's like. I do and I have to listen to this for the next <laughs> six months. This is what we're doing now. And I would always pose: if you don't like it, write your own song. And usually it was met with either a cool conversation of like, I'm gonna write a song or okay, I'll play it. And then <laughs> you would just be quiet and play it. And that's right, you did. And what was your experience in writing that first kind of like, oh, here's my first song.
2: I remember I made a big deal about it to myself. Like, yeah, it wasn't like I went around telling everyone that I'm going to write a song. It was a me. Oh, gosh, I got to write a song. What am I going to do? Because at that point, it wasn't just me that was going to play the song. It was the band that was going to play the song. So I'm like, oh, gosh, this has got to be good. It really wasn't. But I wanted it to be. And at the time, I thought it was good. (laughs) And looking back on it, it really was not. But I kind of just sat down with my guitar and just did it
0: yeah i feel like you said looking back on it it's because you have so much information now it's like if you look at the lens of what you know now it's like oh here all the i do that all the time like two weeks ago or maybe like a couple weeks ago there was a song that i'd written with this artist that we never did anything with it and i was like why we've written stuff now and it's like it's great it's awesome and i was like why and i was like well i woke up the di- next day with like the song in my head and i was like i'll open the project file and I'll find out why i open it i look at it and i'm like oh the production is so shitty i was awful like this is terrible and it was just like oh but at the time that was me functioning at my best and now it's like you know what happened two years later oh like i don't know like you know 200 300 songs you got better and then like 200 300 songs of production you get better but at the time you know with what you know that ends up being the information that feeds how you progress with the the beginning of the process how did you guys navigate that and progress through songwriting what were some outlets or things that you used to Kind of feed that knowledge or that well of songwriting, so it's not dry and it's not like up oh, using the same thing. How did you keep that fresh? And how do you do
1: that, Nolan? Do you want to go? I, I think. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I
1: mean, sure.
2: I guess it was just a lot of writing, and I just do it a lot. And sometimes I have to force myself to just do something else because. I end up getting into like sections of like my songwriting where all of my songs end up sounding the same. So eventually, I'll recognize that and be like, "Oh gosh, I have to do something else." And with like the different, say, uh, say I'm writing in six eight for like all of my songs, and I'll suddenly suddenly be like, "No, I can't do that. I have to go back to a different thing." My words would almost change with it, like with the cadence and stuff. I don't know. It's
0: weird. Ooh, cadence. Okay, just <laughs> dropping a dropping a big word right there. I feel like that. What you're describing is like vibe and feel, and so many people can't break that. Like they end up in the same capo position with the same shapes with and the same strumming pattern. I always like to say the decade, whatever decade you grew up in, is the strumming pattern that you've absorbed, and that just like soaks through everything you do. What made you realize that? As opposed to others that are just like, what are you talking about? It's fine. But you're like, no, it's the same melody. It's the same strumming. It's identically the same. How do you break that?
2: How I break it and how I realized it, I think, are two different things. Because I realized it when I wrote three songs in a row that were all in G and all in (laughs) 6.8. That was when I realized I may have a problem here. And I had to, like, force myself. To like, you need to write something else. Please, Nolan, please write something else. And I did. I'm like, okay, I'm throwing a capo on. I'm writing in C or whatever. And I'm not doing it in 6.8. It has to be in four four because I'm tired of this. And I just had to do it. And it sucked. For like the first half of the song, I was like, oh, God, please, no. Back to normal. And by the second half <laughs> of it, I was like, Yeah. This, this is working actually. And now I'm much better at kind of shaking things up every once in a while.
0: I love that you referred to yourself in the third person. Nolan, come on, <laughs> man, come on, come on. Sometimes I have to. Uh, so Madeline, what about you? How do you keep that creative well, or just like, you know, stocked and that you keep on writing and you don't feel like, ah, eh, I guess that's it.
1: I think there's a couple things. One thing Nolan mentioned of like, if you're stuck with the same chords, like sticking a capo on your guitar is really helpful because then it forces you into a different key. And I feel like I come up with different melodies and different keys because it like forces me to utilize different parts of my voice. And another thing I really like to do is use pictures. Um, I got this tip from a friend like early on when I started songwriting is that if you're stuck on lyrics and you feel like I've run out of ideas is like using just like random pictures and just Mm -hmm. taking inspiration from photographs That's really a really good way. I like to come up with inspiration for lyrics when I feel like I'm out of ideas. Wow.
0: That That, is really nice. That is. Yeah. I like that. That's awesome. Now. Okay. So there's writing songs. So we've, we've jumped one chasm from (laughs) like, okay, guitar or ukulele instrument to songwriting to eventually being like, you know what? I'm going to record my songs release them for other people to hear now that for some is not just like a chasm that is like galaxies away a way for them to jump because vulnerability what if people don't like it it for some the fear is much greater than the what if like what if i don't do this the what if is for me has always been greater than fear like even if you know some people don't like it or i do this thing and occasionally you get like you know like silly Facebook comment of a white guy on a Facebook ad. This is dumb. And it's just like, it's just a troll. But there's some that that fear has always been greater. And they spend their entire life of like listening to other people going like, I could do that. I could, I could release a song. They never do. What made you go like, well, I'm going to release a song and I'm going to start doing this like all the time.
1: I think like the point for me from writing to releasing was I had maybe been writing songs for about a year and I got to a point where I was like, oh, this song I wrote, like, I really like this song and I really want to share it with other people. So, you know, I started like playing it for my parents and playing it for my friends and, um, you know, played a song or two at like an open mic. And it kind of seemed like the logical next step was to um, release it because I was like, I like this song enough that I want to, I want other people to hear this song. And I think the, like the chasm of getting from a song I've written to a song I released, I was in a good position because at the time I had friends who were releasing songs. So it felt Mm -hmm. kind of like a, like a normal thing to do to me, um, to, you know, record a song in your basement. (laughs) Um, so that was certainly helpful, but yeah, I think the, the big drive just came from, I want other people to hear this.
0: Mm. Nolan, what about you?
2: Uh, I get to blame Mikey again. (laughs) again because guess who did it first it was you again yeah (laughs) i wrote a song and i was like yeah i think this song's pretty cool what do you think about it and you're like yeah sure that's that's really neat let's record it and then we did over the course of like three lessons we recorded it and i'm like cool send me the send me the file and i'll upload it to soundcloud and then i did and it's still there Like that song is still on SoundCloud. I never took it down. But it was at that point where I was like, let's I'm gonna keep doing that. So I kept recording my old songs and recording the songs I wrote, and I just kept putting them on SoundCloud. And it wasn't until I met a bunch of people my age that were putting things on Spotify and Apple Music and all that that I was like that I even registered it as a possibility. I always like kept it in two different levels where In reality, it was, yeah, let's get better production and then just do it.
1: Yeah, I agree that like having examples like that was really helpful to like see there's people my age who are doing this. Oh, I can do it, too.
0: Yeah, it's not it's not like, oh, the the minimum age requirement is like you need to be 25. You have to be at this (laughs) level. But it's interesting that and you said like, let's just do it. I feel so many people sit on like oh well this when do you know you're do like you've served the song and if you work any more on this you're gonna kill it like there's a point where you can overwork a song to the point where it's like it's it's great it's awesome let's do it and not like well let's go back and let's tweak the the second verse no let's not tweak the second verse the second verse is fine it's good it's a song release it it's done do you have like those registers of like, okay, this is a good point to stop because if I go any further, either it's going to enhance the song or, you know, I might just kill, (laughs) like I might kill the song, you know, for me, at least it's like, I'm always afraid because it's like, that's where the fear sneaks in just a little bit because it's just like, it's good, but is it good enough? And it's like, no, it's, you know, I feel like the message is clear. I'm clear in the story. I'm clear. I feel like The production is good. Anything that I do, like I've gotten to the point now where I do a muting party when I do songs, like if I'm building out the production, it's done. I go, okay, what can I mute that still keeps the song alive, but doesn't kill it. And that it, Oh, it wasn't dependent on that. Like I thought it was, but it's like the song's still amazing. Like adding more things sometimes can be a detriment and end up like harming the song overall. Any thoughts on that?
1: Um, well, for anyone who's just starting out, you know, in the recording process, what I did is I used Ableton Lite, which is you like, a, I got it free with the interface I had. And it was a really good limiter because I could only use eight tracks. <laughs> um, so I couldn't add that much. So it definitely, it definitely kept things open that way.
0: But isn't that good sometimes to just start with a limited amount, as opposed to being like logic is like, how many can you do? I can do 38. And it's like 38. Well, which snare sound do I use? There's so many. Yeah. Yeah. So what what was your basis uh, for like, you know, OK, these so I have a limited amount of tracks. Here are the things that need to be in the song. Like these are the top priority.
1: Yeah. For each song I knew, well, I was going to have a track that was the lead vocals And then I was going to have um, some instrumentation. So usually it was ukulele um, on one song I used piano. And then on top of that, I think I added maybe one or two instruments to each song. Mm -hmm. But I also wanted to have harmonies. And I think usually like half of the tracks were harmonies. Um, So because I was really, I think it was maybe a good thing because I was so limited, I had to pick and choose carefully what instruments I wanted on each song. So there's only one song or two songs with bass and there's only one song with drums. Um, And it was like finding like the additional sound that would be the best for that song. Like I had to choose and that, you know, made me think about it. And I think made me ultimately like pick the best instrument for each song.
0: What about you, Nolan?
2: I had the issue of how many tracks am I going to do a lot (laughs) (laughs) because I told you I have this network of people that produce and are Mm. my age and sometimes I looked at their logic projects and they were like 200 tracks in and I'm like oh my goodness how am I supposed to do that should I do that and it took until literally maybe a month ago for me to like sit down with like one of my producing mentors and have him be like Nolan you make folk rock music i would be concerned if there were more than 40 tracks <laughs> <laughs> and, and, i mean he had a point because like folk folk rock is a lovely genre and i love it and i do it and i
0: could plan on continuing doing it but i think sometimes it's overkill when you define what you're working on and sometimes where people spin their wheels is they're not defining the genre because I hear things like, well, what I do is really unique and it's a very unique sound. It's a combination of like funk and folk rock, grunge, a little bit of metal. And it's just like, it's not, it's just like what bands you fit in. And when you, people think they're limiting themselves to that, but it's like, actually, you're giving yourself a lot more clarity because you know, like, oh, this is what it is. It's like, You guys can't remember, but there was a terrible restaurant back in the day called, like, the Old Country Buffet, where you could get, like, literally any, like, you could get Chinese on your plate and then some Mexican and then mashed potatoes. And I know it sounds awful. (laughs) What would that do to your stomach? It would turn it. (laughs) But it's like when, you know, nobody goes like, I want to go to all six of those restaurants right now. When you get specific on where you wanna go, you, you're gonna get something better. And to me, when you get specific on genre, that gives you a palette of colors to work with. And you know like, okay, this is what I should do, as opposed to like, hmm. I got banjo and I'm gonna do that electric synth. And then I'm gonna use that trap snare. Altogether which might actually sound cool, but <laughs> it, it you suddenly are overwhelmed, and sometimes the overwhelming thing, especially early on, can be a little too much.
2: I agree with that. And I I like to think of it less as like genres, but more of a mm-hmm. you thing. Because I I've talked with a lot of people, and some of them are like, Yes, everyone has a genre, find your genre. And then some people are like, No, screw genres because you make your music and I think there's like a balance of in between that if you just make your music you'll find other musicians that you can kind of have a bond with because as everyone's music is unique sure but I think that it's nice almost to have kind of a group of people that are like yeah yeah, we make we make very similar music and I think that's really cool. I like the music I make. I like the music you make cuz it's very similar music. So I I think if you just kind of like have a song and be like, "What do I think this song needs?" and just kind of work with that, I think mm-hmm. you'll do really well finding where you are supposed to be and where you want to be.
0: Oh well, damn, you just pulled out the profound card and you're like on the <laughs> table. <laughs> Madeline, what about you, Uh, you know, you know, Nolan mentioned like finding kind of like the group of people. Do you find like if you find more of that community that fosters, I don't know, when you surround yourself with others that are doing the thing that you're doing, like, as you said, when you created music, it was easy to fall, you know, make that next step because you were looking around there like they're doing it. The more you surround yourself, do you find that kind of fuels the fire essentially and just keeps more ideas flowing?
1: Definitely. Um, I don't like the music I write isn't necessarily the same as everyone that I surround myself with. But just being around other people writing music, I feel like is enough. Mm -hmm. Um, This past winter, uh, me and Nolan, the band we're in, has been doing like a songwriting thing where we write a song every week. And like just hearing other people's original songs, like after we're done with that, I immediately want to go and write more songs. So just like, Ooh. just like being in an environment where everyone is songwriting is like really inspiring.
0: So have you guys made that brand or that uh, the next chasm <laughs> it was like co-writing with other people, like starting to co-write? Because I feel that's another thing which either people are very accepting of, because when you co-write, you start to define your role. You know, for me, if somebody was like, oh, let's co-write. What are you? I would be like, I'm not a lyricist, but like production side and melody side, like I know directionally where it needs to go. What has co-writing been like as opposed to just writing individually on your own?
1: Co-writing has been a really fun experience just to have like another person's ideas there. I haven't done it a ton, but in my my limited experience of co-writing, it's been like almost easier than writing by myself because I feel like when I get stuck then the other person has ideas and vice versa and definitely getting into co-writing can feel like a very vulnerable thing because it's you know presenting your ideas to someone else before before they're fully formed but just getting people's inputs along the way it's very like like almost like stimulating to the ideas that you're coming up with yourself I feel like
0: do you feel they like to validate when you think, oh, this is a terrible idea. And they're like, that's really good. And you're like, oh, the thing that you would likely throw away and be like, mm, is suddenly they saw like, no, there's like some gold in that. You need to, we need to expand on that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's really helpful in sometimes all you can come up with is like half a melody. And you're like, oh, all I can come up with is half a melody. I'll just throw this out because I can't finish it. But if you have another person there that's like, no, I have, I know the way to end that melody. Um, yeah. It's a really cool experience.
0: Love it. Nolan, what about you? Your, your thoughts on co-writing? Uh,
2: I was always super scared to co-write. Even when we were in lessons, you and I, Mikey, you talked <laughs> constantly about co-writing and how, yeah, you're, you're doing really well. You're really improving. You need to go out and co-write. And I'm like, no, thank you. Because the idea of being, of not having full control of what I was making was kind of scary, mm. and the same thing with Madeline. What she said about the whole vulnerability thing, like, "Oh, this isn't finished yet," just showing that to someone, I felt the same way. As well as the whole, uh, "But what if I don't like the thing that they do? Uh, am I going to be nice enough? <laughs> am I going to be nice enough to tell them that? Well, maybe we should do something else." But then I did it, and it's not that. I mean, sure, sometimes if you find a good person to co-write with, it just is so easy and it's so nice to have someone to bounce your ideas off of and I actually didn't start co-writing until the pandemic, which was kind of strange when you say it, but just Zoom co-writing is a land that I have grown like increasingly familiar with because I have co-written with all of these people and it's nice just being there spending the first 15 20 minutes just chatting and then going into well Mm -hmm. how do you think we should do this song it's nice it's almost a break from being alone with your own thoughts because sometimes they aren't super helpful
0: (laughs) if you know what i mean
1: (laughs) yep i do
0: i do know what you mean and i would say yeah zoom you know, for me, like God, Zoom code writing, I think I got into like four or five years ago because it's like, you know, Pittsburgh's not a music city. And it's like, well, I, I, well, where do I, where can I go? And some people are like, well, I guess I can. it's like, do you have a good internet connection? Do you know how to talk to people? There you go. You got, you know, billions of people. I think you can find five people that you could probably start writing with that you would connect well. And you could start, you know, cranking out songs. So what would you, you know, for those people that are listening, they're like, oh, they're so young. I wonder what they want to do with songwriting. What would you love to do more with songwriting? And that's how all my listeners sound too. Like they all sound like this and they're just like, what would they do? All the young people, what would young people do? What are, what are some things you'd love to see happen with songwriting or like, what are goals that you have in mind?
1: I, I really want to co-write more. I think I started liking it. Um during the pandemic when, I mean, you have Zoom, but you just have less access to the people around you. Um, Mm -hmm. And I like the idea of trying to, like, arrange songs I've written with other people where, you know, maybe I've written chords and a melody, but then having someone come up with the drum part and a bass part and a guitar part, like, and having a whole group of people's, like, expertise. Like, someone who's a bass player is going to be a lot better at writing a bass line than I am. So I'm really excited to create songs with, like, a larger group of people. Mm. Um, And I think, like, over Zoom, it's a little harder to do co-writing with a song where, like, you're going to have a whole band playing it and you kind of want everyone to be, like, working on it. Um, So I'm excited to be in the same room as people writing songs.
2: Agreed. I think that (laughs) one... (laughs) It's nice. Zoom is nice because... You can write with people, as you said, Mikey, from, like, all over the place. But being in the same room as someone is going to be nice. Uh, I'm excited for that as well. And even from, like, a not co-writing thing, I'm excited to just do more. Because, obviously, like, school is still a thing that we have to worry about. And it sucks. It sucks.
0: (laughs) You know what? I didn't even think about that. But I guess how do you balance... I feel like it's now on a steroid, the amount of work and the pressure to be like, here are all the other tests. Like there's a bazillion new standardized tests that I don't even know. Like I would fail miserably because it would be like, <laughs> you know, you know, blah, 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 blah. You write a, you know, one page paragraph on how Farmer Ben's, you know, circumference of a circle for the goat that he has that's leaving on a train to Chicago. And I'm just like, I have no, I have never <laughs> run into any goats.
2: Farmer Ben is really interesting.
0: Yeah, it's just like, I don't know, how do you balance and not feel drained with all of that? Because that is so high demanding. And especially those that are listening, they're probably like, I'm an adult with a job that's equally, you know, just draining. How do you find that balance to be creative? Because that is a a source of energy that sometimes can get drained by just everything else.
1: I don't think I've quite found the balance yet. (laughs) Uh, it's the, the one benefit of the pandemic is that my life has been a lot less busy. So I've had more time um, yeah. to songwrite and play music and practice. But I think I always saw music as the 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 good part of my week. Um, so whereas, you know, I had this homework to get done, and I had this job to go to music was like the relaxing part. So even if I didn't have as much time for it as I wanted to, like I so wholly enjoyed the time that I did have doing music that I was kind of able to fit it in whenever I could. And definitely, Mm. um, currently what I'm doing with songwriting where I'm trying to write a song every week is helpful to kind of have almost like a deadline, um, not in a stressful way, but just like a goal. Having, because when you're just at home by yourself, you have all the time in the world, Sometimes, if you don't schedule things, they can kind of get away from you. Um, So, having goals to work towards is really helpful.
0: Yes. The fact that you said goals. I I think people, the reason sometimes they don't finish songs because they never set a time of like, okay, not again, not that I have to release this, but it's like you just said, I'm going to do a song a week. That is a very specific goal as opposed to I'm going to write a song. That's Mm -hmm. okay. That's getting specific, but not specific enough. But when you say a week, You've now set a specific goal and you either meet that or you can be like, I said I was going to do the thing and I didn't do the thing. I'm going to try again this week. Yeah. Um, Nolan, what about you? <laughs> uh,
2: f- I'm kind of with Madeline on this one. You said, oh, how do you manage it? And sometimes the answer is I don't. Because <laughs> it's hard. It really is. And as for me, the the pandemic has, you're right, just, increase the amount of stuff that's going on school wise mm-hmm. and finding a balance between all of that and then all the music stuff it's almost like they're on two different two completely different things and mm-hmm. i think sometimes i will get it like super into music and i'll be recording and i'll be producing and i'll be writing all of this stuff at the same time and then Some days I'll be like, oh, gosh, I have a calculus test tomorrow. I should have studied. (laughs) And it kind of has to kind of has to kind of pull back a little bit.
0: Well, I will not get into studying habits, but I I will say what what are both of you working on? Like new music, things that you're working towards, like that you want to release maybe in the coming months.
1: I'm currently doing a lot of songwriting without concrete plans to release i feel like um the ep that i released in january i was working towards it for a really long time and i had a really hard time writing new songs while i was also working on the production side of that Mm -hmm. so i've kind of like given myself a break from doing anything production related just to like have time to write but Again, I'm writing songs that I want to share, so I'm sure that at some point, maybe this summer, I'll start recording them and plan and do that again. One thing I'm really looking forward to is going to college. Uh, Next year, I'm going to Pitt, and they have these things called living learning communities, um, and they have a music one. So I think I'm going to be living on a floor of a dorm surrounded by like 70 other people who are musicians, um, and I think that'll be really cool. cool.
2: Well, I am trying. (laughs) I think that this at this point in the midst of this pandemic, that's really all you can do. And I have yeah. songs that are almost completely done being produced and are ready to be recorded, like or ready to be put out. And Madeline, um, you're probably going to hear it tomorrow at practice <laughs> because that's what I plan I'm on so sharing. Excited.
0: <laughs> nice,
2: <laughs> but I, I, I think I'm think I'm just about there with the next song I'm putting out and I have promised myself that as soon as I hit like submit on CD baby or district Kid or whatever, I am going to start producing the next one because I need to get a schedule with this. And I've been so terrible at it. I have, cause what, I have three songs out right now and the time in between them has not been the same. <laughs> At all, and I think I do just need to work on that, the consistency aspect.
0: That's awesome. And again, I'm just going to say, you're so young. Oh, my, (laughs) Lanta. You're so young. It's ridiculous. Where there are people, you know, I I get it, but a lot of bands do the same thing where they release an album and then it's like a year, two years, and then they release another one. So I'd say the consistency at what you're doing it already it's actually pretty damn good. Like both of you. The fact that you guys are running with the thing, actively doing it, learning from it, trying different avenues and getting better. I'm so freaking proud of you guys because again, it's one thing to think about the thing, but to actually just do it. I love scrolling through my feed and then seeing you guys post stuff of like everything that you're doing. Like, oh, here's a song clip. This is what I'm doing. And really, and it's just like, Hopefully, this is also fuel to people that are like, I work a job. I'm this age and I thought about releasing music. I don't know if I should. Meanwhile, you guys are a great example of like, just do it. What is the worst thing that's going to happen other than your inner critic maybe being a little less quiet because it's being surrounded by people being like, that was awesome. You should do more.
2: I agree. Yeah I, I think one of the best things for me, it's just nice to see it. After I've been releasing music, I've had a lot of my friends, like people that didn't release music, maybe people that wrote and just didn't share it, like wrote it for themselves and just mm-hmm. kind of kept it there. I'm getting those people coming to me and being like, well, how how did you do that? I kind of want to do that. <laughs> like there's a, there's a there's a part of me now that sees that it can be done. I kind of want to do it. And I get to all those swap roles. I've been kind of taken under the wing of so many artists and producers being like, yeah, do it, do it. It's going to be so great. I get to be that person now. And that feels so nice to be like, yeah, you're writing. It's good. Release it. Everyone wants to hear it. Like, it's (laughs) nice to be that person. It just feels good. That's awesome.
0: Uh, Especially the idea of like, yeah, encouraging others. It is. It's a great feeling because, you know, that's also a mindset thing because some people have a limited view of music and they view it as like, it's a knife fight. The more people out there, they're just like, ah, they're stealing my slice of the pie. I need to grab it. But those that are like, oh, there's plenty of room for everyone. Like there's no competition, nor are you going to miss like your opportunity or whatever you choose to call it. The door is wide open. It's always been wide open.
1: I would also tell like anyone who's thinking about releasing music, but you know hasn't taken that jump yet. Like you're, you're totally capable. Like you've learned things before, and you can learn things again. Like my biggest resource during the whole process of recording and producing was YouTube. <laughs> um, and there's like so many people out there on the internet who want to help you learn how to do it. It's totally doable.
0: I love it. Well, Nolan. Madeline, thank you for being here. This was so much fun.
1: Yeah, thank you for having us.
0: You know, even though I'm no longer teaching at that school, I'm now coaching songwriters because I still get a thrill out of it. I love being able to create light bulb moments for other songwriters to go oh shit, that's what you're talking about? Then they take what we're talking about and run and go do the thing. Start writing their songs. Start using their guitar more effectively in co-writes. So if you're looking for guidance, if you're looking for direction, if you just need feedback, you want that kick in the ass, well, guess what? Just go to songwritingforguitar.com. Click the work with me button and schedule a one-on-one session with me. Let me help you break through that barrier, that sort of like sticking point that you're stuck on, the thing that's holding you back. I want to help you go to the next level so you can start kicking ass. Because if Madeline and Nolan can be actively doing the thing right now, even in the middle of the pandemic, you can do it too. So go ahead, just go to songrangforguitar.com, click the Work With Me button, and set up a session with me. That does it for this week. This episode was edited and produced by Chris Vefalius. I'm Mike Myers. Thanks for listening.